Morning. Morning. Welcome everyone. My name is Ricardo, one of the elders here, and it's great to be back with you guys. Last week, we weren't here. Keisha and I were up in Steelton. We got I got asked to go preach at the Bible Fellowship Church there, and we had a great time. It was it was a blessing. But it's always great to be back with your church family to sing songs and praise God and and just pray together. And so we're excited to be back, and I'm excited to be opening up God's word with you guys this week. Uh, I know that you guys started in chapter 4 last week. Wes went through the first three verses in chapter 4, and we're kind of going to just keep it moving. I'll look at the next three verses, so we'll be in verses 4 through 6 today. And just by way of review, I know that last week Pastor Wes talked about the need and the importance of testing the spirits in order that we can discern which teachers are from God and which aren't from God. Therefore, those are the false teachers. And he says that we need to rigorously test the spirits. The emphasis there is on rigorously, that it's not something that happens easily, but something that takes work, that we have to do our part in, in testing the spirits. It's not something that we can do just half lazily and, and not really be concerned with the things that, that God talks about. And we see when we looked at, at in chapter 3 last week that John gives us kind of this, this litmus test to say this is one of the ways that you can test the spirits. If they proclaim that Jesus did not come in the flesh, then they're not of God. They are false teachers. And he kind of gives us these tests and all throughout these, these six verses on what it means for someone to be from God and a teacher be of God. Or if not from God, then he's a false teacher. He's from the world. But we understand that this isn't an exhaustive list, that that's not the only thing we have to be worried about, that this is still true today, that there's still people proclaiming this truth or trying to proclaim this truth and deny that Jesus came in the flesh or, or that people are denying the virgin birth or that he died on the cross or denying the miracles that, that he did. So we have to understand that even in this day, in this day and age today, there are false teachers all throughout our country and all throughout the world, and if we're not doing our due diligence, if we're not checking in with the scriptures, if we're not testing the spiritual way we're called to here, we can fall prey to one of these false teachers, and that's the importance of us here in the first six verses of First John 4, that we are to test the spirits. We understand that, that God has given us a tool. He's, he's given us this, a means by which we can test the spirits. He doesn't just say go test the spirits and then doesn't give us a way to do that or help in doing so. That's what we'll see in these, four verse, these three verses in 1 John, in verses 4, 5, and 6, that he has given us a means by which we are to test the spirits. Now, have any, I don't know if you guys been to school or heard of an open book test or an open book exam. Has, has anyone ever taken an open book exam by show of hands? Yes. I remember my first open book exam in college, and I was excited. And I'm like, this is great. I don't have to study. I can just bring my notes. I can just bring my book to the test and just look up every single answer. And you know if you ever take one of those, that's not how you prepare for an open book exam. Because I thought I was going to get an A and... Ten minutes left, and I haven't answered half the questions because I spent so much time looking up the answers. That there's still some work that we have to do beforehand. We still have to do some studying. And the way you take an open book exam is you study beforehand, and you go, and you answer all the questions that you know for sure. And those you aren't sure, those are the ones that you go back and look up. 
we've been given, in essence, this idea of an open book exam. We have the means by which we can rigorously test the spirits, but we have to be doing some work beforehand. We can't just go in somewhere and think that we're going to be able to just detect a false teacher out of, out of nowhere. It takes some work on our behalf. God has given us the means by which to succeed when it comes to testing the spirits, but it does take some work. And that is the main idea today. If there's anything that I want you guys to leave with today, it's this idea that God has given us the means to overcome the enemy. We must use them instead of leaning on our own understanding. Say that again. God has given us the means to overcome the enemy. We must use them instead of leaning on our own understanding. And we'll be in verses 4 through 6 in 1 John chapter 4. Before we get started, I know usually when I'm up here or when Wes is preaching, we usually kind of run through these verses in, in chronological order and, and numerology and just by 4, 5, and 6. But we're not, I'm not going to do that today, and I just wanted to be up front, not to throw anyone off, but we are going to be starting verse 5, then going to verse 6, and then we're going to be finishing with verse 4, and hopefully that, that you guys can see why I'm trying to do that today. But with that said, we're going to be reading God's Word, and we're going to read all of the first six verses of 1 John 4, just for better context. John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but this you know, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather today, Lord. That we can come together as a church body, sing songs to you, pray over one another, and sit under the preaching of your word, Father. There's places all throughout this country and this world where they're, they're not able to do that. They're not doing that, Lord. And this is a blessing that we have this opportunity, Lord. So we ask that we make the most of this time. That as we spend the next several moments in your word, trying to glean from it, Lord, speak to us. Show us areas where we're not living up to your word. Show us areas where we can improve when it comes to testing the spirits, Father. Lord, we ask that you eliminate any distractions that for the next several moments, we, we just put aside everything else and we focus on what your word has to tell us, Father. Bless this time, maybe a time of edification, maybe a time where we can encourage one another and we can nourish one another and build each other up, Father. Use me, Lord. Help me to remember everything that you've put on my heart today, Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be edifying to your flock. In your name we pray. Amen. First point of two is that Christians know, we should know the word of God and submit to it. We should, as Christians, know the true word of God and submit to it. So those who don't, those who aren't Christians, those who aren't from God, they don't know the true word of God and therefore they don't submit to it. We see this in verse 5 where John writes, 
They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. The false teachers are from the world. They speak from the world. Everything that they do, the way they live their lives, the things that they proclaim is from the world. And that is one of the ways that we should know. We should recognize false teachers that they're going to be coming from this worldly worldview. They speak from the world. They are from the world. And the words that they say and the words that they preach and the truth that they try to proclaim, that is one of the ways that we can recognize a false teacher. If it doesn't align with the scriptures, if it does not align with, with the doctrine and theology that we have and the things that we read in scripture, that is one of those warning signs where those antennas should be going off in our heads that maybe this person isn't a teacher from God. Maybe he's a false teacher. They are from the world. We can recognize false teachers by the way they choose to live, maybe by the way they treat people, by the things that they value. We can observe them and say there's something not right there. There's something that's not of God there. This week at Bible study, our brother Mike here shared a story when he was a firefighter in Baltimore about responding to a call where one a building was on fire and he pulls up with the other firefighters and they're trying to put out the fire and this building just happens to be a church. And this guy comes running, who happens to be the pastor of the church, as Mike shared. And he comes and he save it, help me, please save it. Comes to being that he's talking about his car. Please, my Mercedes Benz is in the parking lot, take it, save it. This pastor, instead of worrying about the building, instead of worrying where his congregation is going to worship this week, he's worried about his material possessions, about his car. And Mike shared with us that there was something off that he knew, there was something not right about that scene. That's one of the ways that we can recognize false teachers by the things that they put value in their life, by their audience. Their audience is from the world, as we see here in verse 5. We, as Christians, should know when we see false teaching because their teaching appeals to the world. It resembles the world. It doesn't resemble God. It doesn't resemble the Holy Scriptures. It resembles where they come from, which is the world. And we should be able to recognize that. David Allen writes in his commentary that false teachers are not from God, but from the world. The source of their motivation is from godless humanity, the world system that is opposed to God. Therefore, they speak as those who are from the world. Furthermore, the world listens to them. We all have heard the saying, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. If it looks like false teaching, acts like false teaching, sounds like false teaching, then it is false teaching. We should not be able, we should recognize it as believers, as those who spend time in God's word, as the Holy Spirit is inside us, working inside us, helping us to detect these false teachings. We should be able to see, recognize when we hear or when we see false teaching. Your Christian should be able to identify false teaching. I'm not, I'm not saying this happens overnight. I'm not saying you, you get converted and the next day you wake up and you're able to just detect any false teaching in the world and be like, yes, that's wrong. That's not of God. It takes work. It takes us opening up the scriptures that we've been given. It takes us communing with other believers, sitting under the preaching of God, memorizing the word of God, internalizing it, and understanding it so that we're able to, when we hear it, identify it. We understand that there is power in the holy scriptures that God has given us. 
that this is one of the means that he's given us. To able to identify false teaching, we must be in the scriptures. If you're not diving into the scriptures, you will not be able to identify false teaching when it comes your way. There is power in the word of God. We know this in Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God has given us the Holy Scriptures, and he's given us the Holy Spirit as means to overcome the enemy. We must be diving into it. We must take advantage of all that God has given us. He has not left us on our own, but he's given us everything that we need to identify the false teachers and to overcome them. It is the word of God that helps us to see the lies, to see the errors in what people are saying, and to be able to proclaim the truth. This is why we proclaim the Bible here. That's why the Bible is the emphasis of everything we do here. That's why there's a Bible in every single seat in front of you. If you don't have one at home, take it. That's yours to go home. Dive into it. Mark it up. Study it. Because it's through the word of God and it's through the Holy Spirit indwelling us that we'll be able to identify these false teachers. The Christian should be able to identify false teaching. Look, look at, at, at verse 6. Here John says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Notice here he said that the world, they just, they cannot listen to the, to the, to the teachings of those who are proclaiming truth when it comes to God. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. The world cannot, they're unable to listen to true gospel preaching. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, in, the, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The world is incapable because of their hearts have been hardened towards it. But we, because we are from God, we listen to the preaching of God's word and to the teachers who God has ordained. That is what we see there at the beginning of verse 6. We are from God. The we there, there's other instances throughout First John where the we is kind of inclusive. It's everyone. It's John saying myself and you as the congregation. That is all what he's saying when he says we. But in this case, when we see we here at the beginning of verse 6, it's exclusive. John isn't talking about everyone. He's only talking about himself and the apostles' teachings. He's saying we, me, myself, the other apostles, and all the prophets, we are from God. And so what he says, he says we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever knows God, whoever has been renewed and been changed, been given a new heart by God, listens to our teachings. We're no longer aliens to it, but we can hear and we listen to it. We understand that when he says, listen to us, for us today, that means John is talking about the Holy Scriptures. When we understand the doctrine of inspiration and how we've gotten the Holy Scriptures, we understand that the very teachings of the apostles is what we have in the Holy Scriptures. So when he says, whoever is of God listens to us, whoever is of God reads God's word and submits to God's word. 
What does John mean here by listen to us? Is he saying that anyone who walks into a building, walks into a church, anyone who opens up the scriptures and reads it, that they are from God because they're listening to the pastor preach or they're reading the words of the scriptures? And we know that that's not true. We know that there are scholars out there who are way smarter than us who read the scriptures and just interpret it wrongly. The false teachers know scripture. The false teachers at times can sit under someone's preaching. Just because you're here, just because you listen to the words that are speaking does not mean that you are of God. So what does John mean when he says those who are from God who listen to us? There's more going on here than meets the eye. He's not just talking about someone who merely listens, but this listen is someone who, who takes heed, who pays careful attention to the preaching, to the teaching of the of of John and the apostles, those who read the scriptures and their eyes are open to it and they're able to understand it and they're able to interpret it and they're able to apply it to, those, to their life. That's who John is talking about. Those are the people who are from God. Those who listen to it and it leads to understanding and from understanding it, they affirm the teaching and then listening to the teaching of the apostles, listening and reading to the scriptures and understanding it. it what's, what John is talking about, it leads to obedience. There are people who can sit here and listen to the word of God preached. We can read the word of God and it will have no effect on them. The type of listening here is what leads to obedience. Whoever knows God will listen and take heed of God's word. That is what John is saying here in verse 6. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they will follow me. That's the image we get here. Is those who, those are the people who are from God who can sit and hear and listen and their lives change and they can apply it to their lives. To actually listen to the apostles' teaching or to read the scriptures or sit under the preaching of God's words, it should lead to a life that's changed by the Holy Spirit, that's changed by the power of God, and ultimately that, that results in repentance. It's the type of listening that allows the scriptures to penetrate their heart. They're not reluctant towards it, but they read it and they internalize it and they changes their life. They are a new creation, as Paul says, all throughout his teaching. They submit to the truth. It changes who they are. They start to concern themselves more with the things of God instead of the things of the world. They become doers of the word, not just hearers, as James says in James 1.22. Anyone who isn't a doer of the word, those who only are hearers of the word, James says, they are deceiving themselves. This type of listening that John is talking about here in verse 6, it leads to action. Your heart has been changed by the truth, and now you submit to it. You submit to this truth. You submit to God, and you start to dig the scriptures, and you start to study them and remember them, and you start to see the character of God. And so the things of God start to become things that you worry about. You start to abhor the things that God abhors. And so the way you used to live no longer becomes the way that you are living. There's a change that's going on. It's not just someone who merely comes and sits, but who sits and hears and listens and gleans and applies the word of God to their life. That's the type of listening that go, that's going on here in James, I mean in First John 4, 6. 
But we understand that everything that we've talked about today and everything that we talked about last week, it all hinges on verse 4. That verse 4 is what pulls it together. Without verse 4, none of what we've been talking about is possible for the Christian. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. My second point. We have been given the means to overcome the enemy. That we see here that day, it says in verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who is them? That's the false teaching. He's saying, you, you little children, you, my flock, you have overcome the false teachers. You've rejected them, and so you are victorious in recognizing false teaching, and you rejected it. That's what it means when he says, you have overcome them. We understand, he says, but this is possible because of he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is the he that he's talking about here? He's talking about the Holy Spirit that we have indwelling us. And it's by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we're able to weed out any false teachers. That we're able to look and hear and see and recognize one false teaching and reject it and call it out and point people to the truth. We have been given the Holy Spirit because we are from God. As it says at the beginning of verse 4, little children, you are from God. To be from God means to be a child of God. It means to be born of God. To be born of God means that you've been given the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in you. We see that, we saw that earlier in 1 John 3. Verses 9 through 10, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And we cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident you are children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is it the one who does not love his brother. For God's seed abides in him. That is the Holy Spirit. We are from God. We are children of God. We have been born of God. And therefore we have this incorruptible seed. This imperishable seed that is always living inside us. That is there to help us. That is there to guide us. We see that in in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 23, since you have been born again, not of imperishable seed, but not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And that is by the means by which we can tap into it. That we can use the Holy Spirit that's been given to us to overcome the teaching, this world of the false teachers. Those who are born of God are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Paul in Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, and who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, indwells in us. What does he say? As he goes on, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This means, this weapon in essence that God has given us to use as we start discerning the spirits, as we start to try to live a life that is glorifying God, it's greater than anything the world has. You've been given the greatest means that you can to overcome the enemy, which is the, the, we've been given the Holy Spirit. 
in the Holy Scriptures. We understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper. That's what, John, that's what Jesus says in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that he, I have said to you. It is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who opens our eyes. He is the one who softens our hearts. He is the one who makes us able to hear the truths of God and be able to then speak those truths, to respond to that truth in repentance. It's all through the helping of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who interprets and helps us to apply the word of God. That is why everything that we've talked about hinges on that. You cannot proclaim the truths of the scripture if the Holy Spirit is not in you. You cannot sit under the teaching of God's word and listen to it and allow it to penetrate your heart if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you. Because it dwells in us. And that is why everything hinges on verse 4. We would not be able to recognize false teaching. We're not be able to speak out against false teaching if we do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. It's the only reason we have the ability to confess Christ, that he came in the flesh, that he lived the life that we could not live and died the death that was rightfully ours. The way we can proclaim that truth, the way we can submit to that truth and live it out is because of we have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Closing, you may be in here and you'll be like, I, I, this doesn't sound right to me. I, I really don't believe this. I'm struggling with trying to understand what you're talking about. I don't have this relationship with God that you guys have. I'm not like those who are singing. I don't have it together. If only I can get it together, then, then I'm good. Then I'll be able to proclaim truths. Then I'll be able to pray to God. Then I'll be able to sing songs. You're in here and you're thinking like that. Understand this, that we have all been there before. But none of us has, are able to do this on our own accord. It's only through God loving us and giving us his mercy and grace that we're able to stand here today, sing songs to God, pray to God, and sit under the preaching of his word. Ephesians 2 says, And you were all dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That is everyone. Everyone in here was at one point like that. Then we see verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The only reason, if you're in here and, you, and you're in belief, the only reason that we are able to sing songs, the only reason that we're able to do and live this life is because we have been saved by the grace of God and that same grace is extended to you. Just got to understand that we have all fallen short. We've all sinned against a holy and perfect God and the only answer to that sin to either spend the rest of eternity in hell or, or to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so if you're in here and you're wondering, 
what it means, what it looks like to live a life after Christ, what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit inside you dwelling. Talk to one of us. Talk to Wes. Talk to myself. Talk to one of the people you've seen up here. We would love to just walk you through that, what it means to, to give your life to Christ and to have this relationship with him. But pray. Pray, pray, and seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Understand that your eyes will remain shut and your heart hard towards God if the Holy Spirit is not working in you. So that is our prayer for anyone in here who does not know Christ, is that the Holy Spirit softens their heart, that they're able to see the truth for what it is and turn to it. We're praying for that working in your life. So if you, if you have any questions, please see us. To the believer, to those who know Christ, who proclaim Christ, to have to proclaim to have a relationship with Christ. There's one more thing I would like to point out to you in verse four. It's at the very beginning when he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome the truth. This you there that we see, we ring we, we sometimes read that as, as as singular, but really it's a plural you in the Greek. It's better read. Y'all's, or you all, or you's all. Little children, you all have the, let's see, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you all is greater than he who is in the world. Understand that there is this element to discerning the spirits. You have to be in community with other saints. That it's not done to you by yourself. That you just can't go and think, I got it all together. I know everything. I can discern and see every false teacher out there. There's an aspect of discerning that involves communal living. That involves coming together with other saints. Singing songs with other saints. Praying with other saints. And letting other saints hold you accountable. You holding other saints accountable. There's an aspect of communal living that is in needed when it comes to discerning the spirits, to testing them. We are in this fight together. If you're not sitting under the preaching of God's word on a regular basis, then you're setting yourself up for failure. All throughout the scriptures, we read the importance of living together as a community. You see this in Hebrews 10. Verses 24 to 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We, when we're living in community, there are people around us who lifts us up, who can encourage us, who can disciple us, who can hold us accountable. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. If two lie together, they keep warm. warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and three, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We are met to live this life that God has called us in community, 
And if we're not, if we're not being a part of the body, if we're not coming and, and praising and sitting under God's preaching on a regular basis, if we're not looking for discipleship, if we're not looking to, to be and do life with other Christians, you're setting yourself up to fail. Because we bring people back who have wandered. We admonish, we teach one another, as it says in Colossians 3.16. We bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. You cannot do those things if you're not actively in community living with the church. So we have to do this together. We've been given the means to succeed, to overcome the enemy. We must fight. We must fight to it together. We must be in our scriptures. We must spend time in prayer. We must spend time studying if we're honestly going to rigorously test the spirits and discern who are from God and who are not from God. You cannot do this on your own. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And you've been given the body as a means to succeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity, Father, that we can come and glean from your word, that you have given us everything that we need, that we have overcome the enemy because Christ has already overcome him, Father, that he is already victorious and we are victorious as well, Father. But that, that does not mean that we just go through life not worried about, not concerned about the things of you, the things that we find in your scriptures, Father. Heavenly Lord, chisel away the areas in our heart that are not conforming to you. Chisel away the areas that keep us from engaging in communal living, Father. Put, chisel away the areas that keep us from, from proclaiming all of your truths, not just some of it, Father, but all of it. Guide us. Give us strength, Father. Lord, as we go about the rest of this day, this Lord's day, the day that we are meant to set aside for you, Father, may we spend more time listening, praying, reading, focusing on our Heavenly Father, our Savior, we pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen.